As we continue our second in a series of three, and this is called the DNA of faith, prayer, and thanksgiving. Now, last week we talked to you about the importance of DNA, your chromosomes, and all of these different uh, characteristics of the human body. Look at your skin, your skin tone, the color of your eyes, the texture of your hair, your personality, your gifts, your talents. If we could have up on the screen one of those great big spirals, that that uh, actually that chromosome chain, that DNA chain, you could see that that is the map that produces children and grandchildren. It's up there. There it is again. And so from that magical thing that God created in us, the Bible says that God lit our lives. And so every one of us has a purpose. I wish that everyone could fulfill their purpose in Christ. But we draw it from our text in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2, and I'll be reading to you from the Message Bible. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation, say it with me, firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. You know why people don't enjoy life? You know why people have to try so many things or are unhappy all of the time? Because they haven't found anything worth living in life because they don't have a base. And their foundation is Christ and they don't even know it. God who created them is unknown by them. Romans chapter 1 talks about it. And under everything, this foundation that makes life worth living, it's our handle. I love tangible words. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith, listen to this, is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. The thing that makes us different from everyone else in the city of Cleveland is that we have a walk of faith, a life of faith, a testimony of faith, and the longer we live, God adds to our salvation story. The Germans have a special word for it, but I'll just call it salvation story. But understand that this is the DNA of our Father. Our Heavenly Father has given us His DNA. We are to be like Him. No wonder people feel like they're out of step or misfit if they don't know Christ is our personal Savior. Can you say amen? Also, I'd like to draw your attention to verse 28 of Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll be spending most of our time this morning in Hebrews chapter 12. There's a litany in the Hall of Fame of Faith chapter 11 of individuals, and we'll be pulling a couple of those characters out of the story next week from Hebrews 11. But I'd like you to also see our perpetual text, Hebrews 12, verse 28. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. Can you say it with me? Unshakable unshakable. And do you see how thankful we must be, not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. Understand the fear of God isn't that we're afraid of God. If I'm afraid of any, I'm not afraid of anything. A Christian shouldn't be afraid of anything, but the fear of God means a respect for God. Some people have no respect for anything. Understand that I wouldn't want to live next to or work with or I would rather trust my life in the hands of people that have respect for God because they have similar values and they would be honest and truthful. Understand that God is a holy God and he wants to bring us up to his level, not we try to bring him down to our level. It never works. Even using the name of the Lord in vain cannot de-elevate the throne of God. Can you say amen? So this morning again, we, uh, we, saw, we talk about DNA, if you will, 
And I wanted to mention, in case you were wanting to win, I saw the spelling bee champions the other day in some of the words. Actually, one of them was a Greek term from the New Testament, koinonia, and I think the young boy that won spelled koinonia correctly. I won't try this morning, but the word for DNA, the reason we always say DNA is because we don't want to say deoxyribonucleic, I'm going to say it again, deoxyribonucleic, we don't want to say that kind of acid, so we just say it's DNA. And we mentioned that DNA, this is, this is our biochemistry, uh, part of the lesson today, is a self-reciprocating, self-reciprocating material in nearly all living organisms as the main constituent of chromosomes. It is a carrier of genetic information. It is unchangeable. It's a distinctive quality. And so I just like to draw on the spiritual aspects aspects and say we are to be self-replicating. We are to reflect God. We are to be a carrier of the gospel. Can you say amen and the good news? And this is the unchangeable truth. This is what makes it so marvelous. This is what binds us together as, as brothers and sisters and those that have gone on before us. They have went on with the same faith, the same belief, the same God, and it's wonderful. Now turn with me back to Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, and we want to talk about the author of Hebrews. By the way, there's been a big debate through the years, who is the author of Hebrews? Some said, you know, well, possibly it could have been Apollos. Some said it's probably Timothy, Luke. Some have said Paul. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt today, the author of Hebrews is the Holy Spirit. It probably wasn't Timothy who had a Greek father, didn't understand all of the Jewish norms. It probably wasn't Dr. Luke who didn't also have that similar background. My bet would be God, the author of this, used the Apostle Paul. But anyhow, that's just my speculation. The author of Hebrews writes to encourage the saints during difficult times. We've had quite a year here. It's been an interesting year. God has been helping us. How many can say with me, God is our helper. God is our helper. God has been helping us. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, the church is going to continue to go and flow just like the ocean has a tide in and out and understand that there are people added to the church. People go to be with the Lord. People come in. People are born into the church. I remember one pastor saying, you know, we had five members in the church. It was my wife and I and our three kids. Well, I hope we don't have a membership drive and drive any members away. I had another pastor friend say, yeah, we had a membership drive. We only drove away 50 people. Well, we're not trying to drive away. What we're trying to do is note with awe how God's church is unchangeable, indestructible, and how this is an unshakable kingdom. Can you say amen? amen. Now, our thoughts for today... Something to think about this week are just a few. Number one, we have God's DNA. We have God's potential. Hebrews chapter 11, 1 and 2, we read it again. We talked about it. What makes us distinct, what makes us stand out, isn't when we act like everybody else, dress like everybody else. How many know that you are uniquely you for a reason? You're better than a snowflake. People say, well, snowflakes are all different, Pat. Listen, Look around you and see the diversity and the beauty in this room. All of the different flags, if you will. All of the different countries represented. I wish we had someone from every country come and greet you like Haluk did in his native language. Wouldn't that be fantastic? We wouldn't understand it unless they said, this is John 3.16 in my language, how we appreciated that. But we have God's DNA. Secondly, life is a long-distance race. 
Understand that the writer of Hebrews was trying to encourage people because of the persecution. Many had been displaced. Many had lost their homes. Many had lost lives. Have you ever worked with refugees? We had 400 refugees come to one of our camps, and we began to try to understand them. We had nothing to tell them until we heard their stories, and then we melted before them with their problems. Kids whose parents they'd seen killed in front of their very eyes. Everything that they owned, everything that they ever had was destroyed or burnt. I remember my friend uh, uh, John Dow was one of the Sudanese that fled for his life as rebels came in and destroyed his village. And in just one night, his whole life changed. And he was on foot looking for something to eat and drink for the next three weeks until he found himself in a very difficult situation in a refugee camp. What a long story, but what a, what a life, what, a, what, a, what an adventure, what a challenge. But understand that God uses all of life, all of our difficulties, all of our circumstances to bring honor and glory to his name. And if we think about honoring him, then we realize that this really is training of all that we go through. How many believe nothing can affect us unless it first comes by the purview of God? God allows certain things. We live in a a world. This world is dirty. This world is a challenge. This world has problems. This world has cares. This world has storms. But understand, nothing can touch us without God's permission. Others have made it. We can take hope in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So let's go back to Hebrews 12 now. And I want to read actually the first three verses. Again, the Message Bible. Now, forgive me for using these difficult terms here in simplistic language, but do you see what this means, the author says? All of these people, the Hall of Fame chapter, chapter 11, all of these who live by faith, we'll be dealing with two or three next week, all of these pioneers who blazed the way, all of these veterans cheering us on, they've all gone on to heaven now, it means we'd better get on with it. We'd better strip down and start running. Now, I, I was thinking about going through the airport. Uh, who Luke and Wendy could relate to this. Sometimes we wore all the clothes we had and carried our suitcases and bags and purses and computer bags. We look like refugees ourselves. But if you're in a race, you lay all of that junk aside. Can you say amen? If you want to catch your flight, sometimes you just have to drop it and run through the airport. Have you ever run through an airport, you know? My wife looked at me and said, you're never going to make it. They just look at you and they think you're a Colombian drug lord every time. You can't change. Can you see? My my wife said this about me. And I would look at her and say, you're never going to make it. You see all that metal? You're going to get hung up at the metal detector. (laughs) Blink, 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 blink. What does she have on her? I said, and and you can't say guns, bombs, terrorism, stuff like that at the airport. First time I took my wife on a plane, she'd never been on a plane, never been in a hotel. We, We were on our way on our honeymoon. And she was talking about hijacking on an airplane in the 70s. I thought we were going to be arrested on our honeymoon. But understand, we want to lay aside every weight. So the Bible talks about here, start running, never quit, no extra spiritual fat, no parasitical sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus. What great advice from a veteran. Whatever happens... Don't run, don't pout, don't start throwing food. Whatever happens, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The exhilarating finish line and and the finish in with God, 
He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God when you find yourself flagging in your faith Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Whatever you're going through today, let me tell you that God wants to strengthen you. So number one, we have his DNA and his potential. Mankind can do great things and mankind can be a humiliation. Others have made it. We need to take courage. Now this flies in the face of American culture. We want instant gratification. For Pete's sake, we want to order stuff online. We want to look at it and we want it at our house now. The other day I saw a pizza company that is making hot spots at beaches. You don't have to have a house. You don't have to have a car. Hey, I think this would work in the third world. There are places that I've been in uh, in uh, Colombia that people would like to go come out of the jungle and there's nothing around for 500 miles in any direction and it rains 400 inches of rainfall a year, but they would like it if Pizza Hut put a hot spot in the middle of the jungle and they could come there and pick up the phone and order their pizza delivered in the jungle. Can you imagine? They're going to have pizza delivered on the beach, you know? You don't have to have clothes on. Imagine that. You don't have to have a house. You, you, you could ride up on your horse. You could surf in if you want to. And you could order a pit. We want instant gratification. And so people who want to make money will take advantage and they'll only charge us double for that service. Can you say amen? Yes, you can do anything you want. Yes, you can eat anything you want. Yes, you can wear anything you want. But remember that line from Jurassic Park that my son often quotes to me. When we see somebody that is odd, he says, the way they're dressed, he said, well, they asked, could we, but they didn't ask, should we? (laughs) Remember that what you do to yourself has consequences, and what you do in society has consequences, and what you do in your family has consequences. How many have ever had people not talk to you? Did you say something inappropriate? Have you apologized yet? Hey, the more spiritual you are, the quicker the apology comes. I made a fool of myself again. I put my foot in my mouth again. Hey, I had a coach. I was a long-distance runner. You can tell by my physique that I'm a long-distance runner. You could tell I'm in the peak of physical condition. I keep telling myself that, hoping that my knees and back and hips will respond, you know. But I remember my coach, we used to run two miles in the race. And my coach was determined we were going to practice five nights a week. I had one coach that said, you have to run 50 miles before you get your sweats. Well, I wanted the golden flash thing on my sweats, so I I said, okay. We had to have it documented. We actually had to run the laps, put in the time, and then have somebody verify that we were out there running in the snow because our our tracks started in March, so we literally ran, and part of the 50 miles was running the snow. I said, there's snow on the ground. The coach says, run in the gym or run in the snow, but if you want the sweats, you have to run 50 miles. Well, our other coach, the long distance guy, he said, we're going to practice every night. And I'm like, okay, so what are we going to run? Like a half a mile? That'd be great. He goes, no, we're running five miles tonight. I don't want to run five miles tonight. He goes, well, we're running six tomorrow night. I don't want to run six miles tomorrow night. We only have to race two. Why should I? I'll run like a hundred yards. How would that be? He says, no, I'm going to discipline you guys to run further and faster than you thought you could go. One time he had the audacity to take the fastest, tallest, lankiest, strongest guy on the team. This guy was like a flash. 
when he'd go by the wind, you know, and he would make him hold hands with the slowest guy on the team. And the fast big guy is running and the little guy is like hitting about every fifth step. He gets his feet down, you know, and he's being dragged along. And I'll tell you what, I remember I wasn't the slowest guy. I wasn't the fastest guy. But I remember I ran my fastest mile that I've ever run in my life because I was being dragged. So our coach would make us run, run, run. And then at the end of every practice, he would say, go to the hill. At the end of our course, one mile course, we ran it twice, was an 80 yard hill. And so everybody would look at that <laughs> after you've run five miles and you're like, I don't, I don't want to look at the hill. I want to go and get a Coca Cola in the locker room. Go to the hill. And then he would time us running up the hill. The first time we ran 80 yards, you know, it was about five minutes. And he was like, we're not going until everybody on the team can run up here in 30 seconds. We just finished running four miles, coach. What he was disciplining us is the bell would ring. And every time we saw the hill, we took off. We would get to that hill exhausted. But when we saw the hill, we'd take off. When we were on our own course, they would shoot the gun. Our team would start out sprinting and stay sprinting the whole two miles. We'd leave the other teams in the dust. Our coach was disciplining us, training us, training us, training us, training us. And when we saw a hill on our course or any course, we kicked it up a notch. That tells me how a mature Christian lives their life. Why am I going through this discipline? Why am I going through this training? Why do I have this problem? What's the first thing we do? Up, hill, problem. We got to pray. We're going to fast. We're going to get together with other believers. We're going to bring the need up at church. We're going to be in church. We're going to be faithful. The first thing we do when we're under discipline and when we understand God is maturing us, we kick it into high gear. And so we have his DNA. We have his potential. And we have a wonderful coach who is disciplining us for a reason. Can you say amen? Let's say it together. We can do this. We can do this. Okay, let's get the tallest guy and the fastest guy with the slowest person. We're going to start running laps upstairs right now. How about that? No, I'm just kidding. I think we should have part of the service where we run laps, so I think it would be biblical. Praise the Lord. Third, his is an unshakable kingdom. Hebrews 12, 28 again. By faith, this absolutely grips me. By acts of faith, as a church, we, we get the proven scriptural training to make better decisions than most of the other people that live around us. Church is the most important meeting of the week. It's more important than the senatorial debates and arguments, the slanders, the false accusations. Church is where you get the truth right between the eyes, not sugar-coated. Truth is where you grow up. Truth is where you learn not to throw your food and fight. I'm going to get a book for everybody. It's called I Learned It All in Kindergarten. How many know that basic understanding of morals and how we treat one another could be learned before we're age seven years old. Understanding to show respect for others, not stick out your tongue at people, being able to be courteous and polite. We should be all learning that, but in our society, very few adults know the common rules of courtesy. Just watch the next time you drive on the highway and see if it's not so. Now, let me, besides the unshakable kingdom, this kingdom is going to be preached, the Bible says, until everyone hears, and then that's going to be the end. 
Once the last person who hasn't heard the gospel hears the gospel, boom, the angel's going to set foot from heaven on earth and time no longer, boom, time out. It's going to be an official time out. The angel's going to have on a striped shirt with a whistle, time out. Time's over. The time for maturing, the time for seasoning is all over. The time for problems has ended. And then, because we've had our eye on the on the city, because we've had our eye on the goal, how many believe there's a great reward waiting for all of the faithful? Can you say amen? Give the Lord a praise. Give the Lord a praise. <laughs> Lastly, there are five things we should be thankful for. And I want to hit these rapid fire. We're going to have time to pray today. First, we can be thankful for God's provision for our needs. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Hey, my dad used to teach me something biblical before we knew it was in the Bible. If you don't work, you don't eat. How many parents ever taught you that? My dad used to say stuff like, eat what's on the table. We... I was telling the first service about this stuff my my mom whipped up. You know what my mom and dad talked about, you know, on Wednesdays at lunchtime when he came home from work? What are we going to eat that night and the rest of the week? You know, the checkbook looks kind of threadbare. How many ever had discussions like that in your family? Just basic stuff like, what are we going to eat tonight? You know, I'm starving. My dad would go to those old convenience stores and the, the, it was, the ham was so thin that was, I don't even know if it was ham. It was something in a can. And they would open up the can, they would take this slimy thing and stick it up there and they'd slice it. They would say, how would you like it? Thick or thin? My dad said, chip it. You could read the Bible through it, it was so thin. That's what we would have on Sunday nights. I mean, if we ever got a pizza, I'm telling you, kids, kids get pizza, you go to the hot point at the beach and in the jungle, you can get it. But like, we couldn't get pizza. Our big treat was Kool-Aid. How many remember Kool-Aid? You had to make your own. Kool-Aid, sometimes it didn't have enough sugar because you were out of sugar. So you had something that was like, it looked like water. It had coloring in it and it had no nutritional value whatsoever. And that's what we had for our treat. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for us, but I'm saying godliness with contentment brings great game. And if you don't work, you don't eat. It's something we should teach our children over and over again. Do you want to be happy for the rest of your life? You've got to find something to do besides sit in front of the tube on the couch and become a couch potato. Secondly, we can be thankful for God's blessing. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. God is good. God is great. And it comes his blessing from our obedience. People think that they have a lottery God. Spin the wheel and maybe God will bless them. Pray once and maybe God will bless them. Pray when there's a disaster. Maybe God will bless them. God blesses obedience and humility. Can you say amen? Amen. Third. We can be thankful for God's character and wondrous works. Aren't you glad God doesn't have a temper? He doesn't act like a baby. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't get mad and unforgiving. Some people are so unforgiving, they go to the grave with unforgiveness on their heart. And how many understand the root of bitterness destroys the person that's bitter? How many have ever met somebody that always has to tell you how much they hate other people? And they, people that they hate never hear it because they're afraid to share it to them. So who does it hurt? Every time they say it, it hurts them. Physically, doctors have said and proven that that unforgiveness can destroy a human body, a life. God is wonderful. 
We're thankful for his unchanging character. He is no respecter of persons. He is holy and we are to be holy like him. How should we act as mature believers or as babies? We understand that we are to be like him in character. Aren't we glad that God is mature, not selfish, not childish, can't be bribed? Praise God. Fourth, we can be thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look around and say, I'm so thankful for you. 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 I'm so thankful for everybody but James. No, I'm, I'm thankful for James too. I had to say that, Jay. I like picking on you, brother. I, I, I'm so thankful for this new song body, for this family. I'm thankful that we had time to hear each other's stories. How many know one of the greatest things is to sit and talk with others and just hear their story? I believe God is doing a wondrous thing here in our midst. Praise God. I was talking to one of my friends and he was telling me about two of his grandsons always getting into it. He says, I don't get it. Their mom, my daughter, is raising them. He just says to the kids, do whatever you want. And my friend, 6'2", 250 pounds, he's afraid of his grandsons. One's two and one's four. They're tough characters. If they don't get what they want, you might get bonged in the head with a dinosaur. And it's made out of plastic. You could get a concussion. I, I, I was telling my uh, one son about one of my favorite authors, O. Henry, and about his life and how God gave him stories while he was in prison. He wrote 600 stories. If you've never read O. Henry, it's an interesting read. But there's one that I said to my grandson, page 188, you got to read about it, The Ransom of Red Chief. If you haven't read the story late, you got to read it again. They kidnapped the kid of the richest guy in town, these two bums, and they were trying to get rich, have a get rich scheme. How many know that get rich schemes never work? So they kidnapped the kid and they knew that something was wrong when they went to pick him up in the horse and buggy. When the guy was throwing rocks, the little kid was throwing rocks at a cat. That should have warned him right there. You know, this guy's dangerous. And they picked up this little kid and they drug him away. They had a plan. They rented a buggy. They took him to a cave. The kid said, I've never been camping before. This is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. He acted like an Indian the whole weekend, you know. He bonged people on, you know, uh, gave them goose eggs by throwing rocks at them, you know. He told the one guy, threatened him, he said, if you take me home, they said, no, we're not going to let you go home. They said, but he, we're going to take you back home. No, if you take me home, this is what I'm going to, I'm going to scalp you. They tried to scalp one of the guys. It's crazy. So they, they sent the letter. Everything was good. The one guy was crying. He said, please don't let me watch this kid anymore. You know, this is my friend with his grandkids, you know. What would happen if you let kids do whatever they want? You'd have to probably burn the house down. How many know that's why we need God over us? He's the Lord of all. So we don't burn the world down. Can you say amen? We need to submit to his control. Can you say amen? You want to hear the rest about Red Chief? They said, we'll send him back for $2,000. The next day, they got a note from the father. He said, you can't bring him back unless you pay me 250 <laughs> This guy, they paid, they paid the ransom. They paid the 250 to get rid of the kid. He was so rough. He was so wild. It's one of those twisting stories. Oh, Henry did the surprise ending. And the surprise ending was, yeah, the ransom was paid by the bums. And they had to take the kid back. Listen, that's why, that's why there's a, we understand there's a devil and an enemy of our soul that just wants us to act up all the time. He wants us to hurt our bodies. 
He wants us to hurt others. He wants us to destroy our minds. So I'm talking to every young and old person here. This is something very basic. We need to understand that we are thankful for our brothers and sisters. Paul said in Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So aren't you thankful that your brothers and sisters aren't bonging you with rocks every time they disagree with you? Aren't you glad that you don't have to scream, slam the door and peel rubber? Rather, we can like grown up sit down, pray, talk things over. And you know why people leave church? They don't want to resolve their issues. So they just jump from place to place to place to place to place. My wife, if I could lift this up, I would take the plant and say, well, let's put it over there. No, let's put it over here. Let's put it. Can you imagine planting a garden and you rip up the plant every other day and you move it to a different place? How much corn would that produce? How many green beans would you get? Listen, I'm really preaching at you because you guys know who I am right now. I love you. And I believe we need to hear the word of the Lord right between the eyes. We're getting ready for a transition. We need to love one another. And when we find that Pastor Clen or Audrey are different than us, surprise! God made them just the way they are, and we are going to love them to pieces. Finally, we can be thankful that God hears and answers our prayers. Here's a verse that needs to be recited and memorized. Isaiah 65, verse 24. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Isaiah 65, 24. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. That's what God does for those that hear him, reverence him, honor him, faithful to him. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8, ask, seek, and knock. How many know that so many people are so immature, if they don't get what they want now, pizza now, then that's it, I'm done with pizza. You know, No, that's not how mature people act. Jesus' words, let me quote the master, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You know what really ticked Jesus off about the money changers in the temple? They had turned it into a flea market and they were using the space where the Gentiles were supposed to be allowed to come to hear the gospel and they were using it for their own gain. No wonder God got upset with those people. No wonder God sent Jesus to the Jews. He was pretty upset with his people. Now, in just a minute... I'm going to ask you to stand, and everybody that wants to come to the altar, we're going to have corporate prayer. First, we're going to pray for our new pastor and his family. We're going to pray for the transition to go smoothly. We're going to pray that we will be an encouragement to our new pastor. We're going to pray that, that for a safe move. Have you ever moved by yourself in the rain? It's not fun. Only took like two days to load a container, load a truck. How many know that it's more fun when you have a team of people together and you move in 45 minutes and then you eat pizza the rest of the morning? You have donuts and coffee. Isn't that wonderful? So we're going to pray that many hands make light work and we're going to all be the welcoming committee. Everybody here needs to welcome our new pastor and his wife, Audrey, and the family. Can you say amen? We're going to pray for love, acceptance of them and their ministry. We're going to say I love what he's feeding us. You know, have you ever seen a little baby and you're feeding applesauce, the baby's smiling, and then you try to slip in a squash? 
or an asparagus. It's all green. It comes right back out again. Boy, understand that, you know, our pastor is going to feed us things that are good for us. Can you say amen? I want to pray today for a greater plan for the city of Cleveland. I'm going to end up at the end of this service in just a few more minutes, but I'm going to talk to you about throwing some vision out there. God has great things in store, great things in store, great things in store. So I want to pray for our new pastor and his family, pray for the transition, pray for a safe move, lots of help, pray for love, acceptance of them in their ministry, pray for the great plan that God has for the city of Cleveland. And then we're going to pray for each other. If you want to be part of this, stand with me right now and come running to the front of the church. And we're going to have corporate prayer. Hallelujah. We're not just talking about prayer. We want to have corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. Hallelujah. All together. Unless you want to invite us to your house, we'll all come over there. But if not, just come right here. We'll just all have corporate prayer. I need a couple people just to pray out for our new pastor and his family, what they're going through right now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Pray right out. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord.